0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and wholly acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. Amen. Well, if you have spent any time at Grace, you will know these familiar words that introduce one of the most familiar stories of the entire Bible. They are words of Jesus that Grace orients our life around. How we love God, firstly, and then how we love our neighbors. We are guided by Jesus' words, loving God with our hearts, souls, and minds, as well as loving our neighbors as ourselves, day in and day out. In the Gospel of Luke, these guiding words are an answer Jesus gives an inquisitive lawyer. When asked the question, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life. What might seem like an innocent question asked by a curious intellect was in fact more of a trap for Jesus to step into. And knowing this full on, Jesus responds, well, what is written in the law? And as a good lawyer who has studied the law, God's law, He knows it backwards and forwards, inside and out. I'm sure the lawyer was delighted with such an easy question to answer. And without missing a beat, the young man confidently expressed the summation of all of God's laws, which is this, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was impressed with his answer and responded, you answered accurately, do this and you will live. Remember, this was a man who studied and was schooled. Yes, he was a lawyer, but not one in the way which we know. He was trained in the rules of God. His whole life was given to understanding rules, so he knew the right answer to Jesus' question, and it naturally flowed from him. Deuteronomy 6.5, the Shema, love the Lord with your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. After this easy answer was given, the story turns. It gets interesting because the lawyer asked the question. Well, in reality, he wanted some justification for himself, so he got a bit cocky. And he asked Jesus, well then, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Another way of saying, Jesus, just who do I have to love? Who do I have to care for? But more importantly, and probably more fitting for this young man, Jesus, who then do I not have to love? That is, who counts? Who am I responsible for? Who falls into to the purview of God's command to care for neighbor? Well, sensing that this young lad needed a bit of schooling in the ways of being neighborly, Jesus chose to teach by way of telling a story. In fact, one of the most famous stories or parables in all of Scripture. A story that is recognized by most people or maybe most people are vaguely familiar with it, the story of the Good Samaritan. It is how Jesus chose to teach an intelligent, uppity lawyer how to be neighborly. A fellow preacher, Scott Hosey, said it this way. I'd like to share it now. A certain man, some nameless, faceless fellow, was taking a trip and was mugged. They beat him half senseless, took his wallet, and then left the guy in his underwear, crumpled in the mud in a ditch. The man is left like roadkill, and two religious figures treat him like roadkill, too, actually walking on the other side of the street to avoid encountering him, let alone looking at him. Or helping him. Jesus says the third passerby is a Samaritan, and at this point I picture the lawyer clenching his teeth. A Samaritan? Today it would be like hearing the word Nazi or Taliban. Samaritans, of course, were not like Nazis, but they were regarded almost that darkly. Nevertheless, Jesus uses a Samaritan as the parable's hero. He approaches the man in the ditch, does first aid right there, and then takes the man to a hotel where he puts him up, pays for everything, and promises to return in a day or two to see how he's doing and to settle the account. We don't even know in the story if this mugging victim was ever conscious again Or was he even aware of who was helping him? But it doesn't matter. The Samaritan is not thinking of himself. His focus is on the other person. Well, after Jesus finishes sharing this story, Jesus, I think, surprises the lawyer by asking another question. Now. Which of the three passerbys acted as a neighbor to the mugging victim? Well, the lawyer responded, The one who showed mercy, Jesus. And Jesus simply responds, Go and do likewise. In other words, it's not our job to pick and choose who to be a neighbor to. We are to be a neighbor to everyone we meet, and especially to anybody who needs you. Whoever they are, you are to be their neighbor. The insinuation of the parable is that indeed everyone is my neighbor, and that is why I must be a good neighbor to them. Jesus' desire is that we become bearers of love everywhere we go. If our hearts are full of grace, mercy, compassion, and love for both God and everyone else, then we won't ask, well, who is my neighbor? Because it doesn't matter. The question becomes irrelevant if you yourself are already being a neighbor. Well, this week, one of our neighbors who frequents our campus was brave enough to ask this question. Is there any way you could help me get a room at a hotel, Mother Suzanne? This man rarely asks for anything, so I paid attention. I was really astonished that he even asked the question. But he then went on to say that his dream this summer was to just have one night in a hotel where he could be clean, have a shower, and have the opportunity to be with his kids. He doesn't have a home and was simply asking for a place and an opportunity to be with his two children one night in the summer, stay up late, sleep in a bed, this would be the only way he could be with his two kiddos for an extended amount of time. Moved with compassion and knowing him and his two kiddos, and because of the generosity of Grace members, we were able to do this for Fred, Olivia, and Brayden this week. Well, the next morning, Fred came bounding into the office with a big smile on his face, and he thanked me. He was clean, fresh-shaven, first time I'd ever seen that, and proud, and he was smiling from ear to ear. He said that it was the best day in his life, spending the night at the Scottish Inn in Alvin, Texas, with his two kids. He said they stayed up all night, talked, watched movies, and ate candy, and most of all, were a family. If just for a day and a night, Fred's hope and dignity were restored, he held his head a little bit higher, smiled, and was genuinely thankful Well, at Grace today, it is also Baptism Day. On the day of your baptism, Brindley, you are being brought into the faith at a church named Grace that carries this very important scripture as the forefront of all that we do, of loving God and loving our neighbors. On the day that you are marked as Christ's own forever, the words of Jesus to love God with all of your being, as well as loving neighbor as yourself. The greatest commandments are what you can carry with you deeply in your life of faith. I hope your parents can light your candle on the anniversary of your baptism each year. And maybe, just maybe, they will read this parable to you. And maybe it might might become your favorite story from the Bible as you grow older. Well, whatever you choose, the scripture is powerful for you, Brindley, as you are initiated into the life of Christ. As you begin the greatest, sometimes wildest, and most unexpected adventure, no doubt, the most exciting journey of your life, the life of faith, It is one that can, and it will change you, the way you see the world and those that bear the image of God in the world. So Brinley, what I would say this day on your baptism day is to be open. I wish someone would have told me that sooner. Also don't be afraid. Know that each person who comes your way is your neighbor. So love them, and love them well. Because when you do, you are living like the Good Samaritan. You are trusting that you have much more to gain than lose, when loving rather than not loving. Dear Brindley, you are precious. You are a treasure. You are loved by God, and you are loved by grace. On this, your baptism day. And always. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.